Welcome to the Tar Heel Hustle, where we explore the different dimensions of the Keenan Flagler Executive MBA program. I'm Javier Guillermo. And I'm Bola Mustafa. And we're your hosts. With us is our tireless producer, Mafe Ocilia, keeping us honest. We decided to create this podcast to share with you our collective experience during our time in the Keenan Flagler MBA program. This season, we'll interview current students and cover topics ranging from time management, leveraging the MBA to make career changes, and explore the MBA program from the perspective of young high potential classmates and international students. We will also talk to faculty members about leadership and explore how they constantly adapt to our ever-changing world. So, let's hustle. Let's get down to business. Let's get down to business. Welcome, Professor, to the Tar Heel Hustle podcast. From the moment we created this podcast, we were interested in hearing directly from the students how they felt about the program. We were also curious to learn more about your experiences shaping EMBA students over the years. Professor Longblad, tell us about yourself. Sure. So I'm a kid from uh, Washington, D.C. That's where I grew up with a sort of odd mixed background of different uh, nationalities and went to school out of Washington University in St. Louis. That's where I did my undergraduate, played baseball over there, and then came to that uh, little private school up the road at Duke and did my, my PhD and uh, fell in love with this particular area during that time. That started a professional career where I, I left for a while. I went up to the Federal Reserve and served as an economist there in the old days under Alan Greenspan, and then had an opportunity to come back and joined Keenan Flagler here back in 2006 and took it. Uh, so I, I lived here for a while as a graduate student, had a great time, loved this area, both as a graduate student, you know, like you are, but uh, saw its prospects for, um, you know, being a family man as well. And at that point I was, you know, had a budding young family and my girlfriend at the time was now, now my wife. We decided to move back here. And so that's sort of my journey to Keenan Flagler, starting from growing up in our nation's capital. Thank you, Professor. How would you describe your journey to you know, UNC? What was that like? Yeah, so a little bit straight and narrow and a little bit circuitous, I would say. It's a bit of both. So when I was uh, an undergraduate, I knew my passion for sort of economics and the intersection between economics and mathematics and politics and all these things. They were forming very fast. So I, I knew exactly where I wanted to go you know, from that perspective, or at least I thought I did. I mean, again, I was a goofy 18-year-old, 19-year-old, 20-year-old kid. And it it turned out that my thought about what this was going to look like ended up being about right. And so I sort of lucked into something. But I I did form that opinion pretty early on. And then that uh, turned into, you know, moving into graduate programs and subsequent career stuff that brought me back to this area and brought me to Keenan Flagler, as I said, back in, in 2006. And so it would have the illusion of being sort of linear, but there was a bit of a kind of a circuitous component, which is I came here before that to do my graduate work, fell in love with the place. I didn't know Keenan Flagler as well because I was up the road, but when I had the opportunity to maybe come back, so that's when Keenan Flagler sort of reached out and sort of was testing the waters and seeing if I was interested, that was immediately attractive to me just for the the area. And as I said before, kind of the desire to to raise a family over here. And that's when I really started to invest more in understanding kind of what Keenan Flagler was about and getting to know some of the folks in the finance area better. So it was kind of a linear in one way, but in this case, I was here and kind of came back and (laughs) and learned a lot more about the place as I was sort of thinking about whether this was, you know, where I wanted to 
return to professionally to complement my my deep love for the area. Amazing. Thank you. I also have served and continue to serve in administrative roles here, and, and I care about the place. And so that has been reciprocated in um, the investment the place has made in me as not only a scholar, but also as a, a budding leader and, and all the other things that we would teach for the non-academics sector. So it's been complementary in that way. It's been sort of both ways. And I've, I've found myself very comfortable sort of moving into that that secondary track where you you not only continue to invest in the teaching and, and, and your research, but you also really make an investment in the in the place. You're an institution builder. You know, speaking of institution building, um, you have a you know, almost a critical role in, in the Keenan Institute. Would you mind touching on that a little bit? Sure. Yeah. So when everyone's allowed to sort of get back on campus, uh, you know, you can uh, you can come over and uh, look at our courtyard. And so we've got three layers of the courtyard, right? So one is the main auditorium. The other is the McCall building, where most of the, uh, the daytime MBA classes take place. And that's where the offices are. But the third leg of that is the Keenan Institute. And so that is, I would say, our outreach arm. That's our, our kind of think tank that is designed to engage with constituencies beyond just the academy. So it's not really just writing research for journals or books or something that's only going to be read by other professors. And interestingly, it's also beyond just the students. So it's not just a pedagogical or, or programmatic uh, thing. You're, it's actually beyond that. So w- what do I mean by that? It's, it's about reaching out to other constituencies, including industry, policymakers, nonprofits, and NGOs, you know, anyone that would potentially be interested and benefit from the thought leadership that's taking place next door in the McCall building. And so the, the idea of the, of the Keenan Institute is really to sort of serve as that, you know, that conduit so that the impact of uh, what's happening in the business school is broader than just our students and just our peers at other institutions that might read our papers. So there's a lot of opportunity for students to be engaged over there, but the, the intention is to, is to really deepen and broaden the impact in other places. And so that's, um, that's the Keenan Institute. And there's lots of different initiatives that are going on over there with that intention. So going back to teaching, yeah. how would you say that your teaching style has changed during your years at Keenan Flagger Business School? Oh, it's changed a lot. So when you're a brand new faculty member, your crutch or something, I'm not sure what the right word is to just, just lecture, <laughs> you know, especially if you're teaching, um, you know, undergraduates and you're just getting started. And it's just easy to just roll on and deliver it. That isn't as interesting to the students and what you learn over time is it's not nearly as interesting to the faculty member as well. The maturation of a, of a teacher, of a faculty member, particularly in a business school and particularly in a program like our EMBA program or in exec development, uh, you know, the other things that go on over in the Rizzo Center for custom programs, the maturation there is about sort of creating dialogue and an interesting, you know, learning. It's, it's harder and it's a little scarier when you're starting to teach to give up some of the class to the, you know, the students themselves and see a little bit where it goes. But especially in an EMBA program or exec development, you're all experienced. You've been somewhere, you've done something. There's things that you know you need to take the next step in your own careers, but there's also a lot that you've learned along the way already. 
So letting that sort of find its way into the classroom and creating a, a freer and more open space where students can engage and disagree and ask questions and, and give their own experiences has been part of my own maturation process. And I think that's, that's really important. That just makes a better business class anyway. But what that means then actually over time is, and this is no little secret actually, is I learn tremendously from those interactions myself, right? So what do I learn? I learn occasionally some things I, I didn't know about that were happening out there. That's definitely happens. But I, I also learn some blind spots that uh, that are happening in industry that I didn't I didn't know were there. So that that then informs my own research, and I start to think about how better to solve that problem. And so when I step into an EMBA classroom or an exec dev classroom, I'm a sponge. Actually, I really am. Like I'm I'm as ready to learn from, you know, the audience as, as in the other way. And, and at times I have to step in and move it in a clear direction. And particularly if it's something technical, I've got to just rip through that. And so there are moments of, of lecture, of course, you can't avoid that. Your job is to steward the process, but it's not to just drone on and deliver something. And so that's really what's changed for me over time is I'm really happy sort of hearing from the students as much as I'm talking myself. I, I, I don't want to do a two-hour EMBA class where I'm the only voice. That's no fun for anyone. Well, I can tell you your class has been one of the most interesting ones. Excellent. So, uh, Professor, do you think the Kienflacker's core values or culture is a big part of what this program has to offer? Yeah, I, I think that's a, a sort of North Star that permeates all of our programs from, you know, the undergrad all the way up to the PhD and, and everything in between, including the EMBA. That's, that's an important differentiator in some ways. And so I care a lot about that. I'm, I'm glad that we emphasize those. I'm glad that we've recently acknowledged the importance of including inclusion into that one as well, which is a, is a newer addition to that. And I'm glad that that sort of serves as a reference point to all the things we do, whether it's finance class or, you know, an OB class or something totally different in terms of what you're doing in kind of co-curricularly. I think these are things that become kind of a unifying theme that crosses everything that we do. So I view this as an important part of what Keenan Flagler is and, and, and a differentiator to some degree. Perfect. Muy bien. Thinking about your class, if yeah. you had the opportunity to sum it up into one key takeaway, what was the one lesson that you would hope to embed in each of your students to be successful? Yeah, that's, that's great. So again, I've, I've got two classes. So one is the global economics class. And so there I would say, again, part of that, that transition. So as, as an, an EMBA student is kind of moving into the next step in their career or maybe doing a career shift. And in either case, doing more, taking on more responsibility, being tasked with greater degrees of resource allocation or hard decisions or strategy uh, and, and other kind of trade-offs and things like that. I mean, I guess the main lesson for there is none of that stuff really should be divorced from the world in which it in, resides, right? That you just can't separate any of those kinds of greater challenges and harder choices from the global economy. And that has a really important bearing on everything you're going to do. So, so having a comfort sort of understanding, being literate in what's going on out there, being comfortable with that language and what the questions are, and then, and then figuring out sort of how that boils down to you as a decision maker. That's the point of the class. It's, it's being increasingly literate so that you can appreciate the external environment. The other class that I teach is on investment management. And that, I would say, has very technical components, but many, many non-finance students also take that class. 
And there, what's the big takeaway? You can do it, actually. Uh, The takeaway is you can manage your own retirement allocation. And many of the tools that I teach over there that are relevant for professional money managers translate very nicely to a 401k and, and those kinds of considerations. And so many students leave my class, even, again, even the non-finance students that don't have any professional aspirations in that area, they feel that they've learned a lot and, and have you know, sort of gained some value from the perspective of being able to have a greater degree of comfort, calling the shots and not necessarily paying someone else to do it. Good point. And that's an elective, right? That is an elective, yes. So that's uh, our investments class. It's on investment management. And it's, it's taught in, in parallel tracks. So part of it is from the perspective of kind of professional money management But the toolbox that we developed there is very easy to pick up and plop over to uh, something like a 401k or your own retirement allocation. And so it's generally one of my larger enrollments, even though I'd say half the class is often not finance concentrators, you know. Switching gears again, most of the students in the program are considered to be a leader to a certain extent or some form. What are good leadership aspirations you would suggest your students follow? That's a process I've been undergoing myself, actually, I would say. It's about listening uh, maybe more than you're talking. That gives you a chance to better understand the problem and its complexities, the dynamics of the whole thing. It gives you a chance to hear from your team. If you're really a leader and you have a team and, and whatever it is, direct reports or whatever it is, a committee or something. At the end of the day, you've got to be as informed as possible. You've got to understand the, the contours of the thing. And you, as much as possible, have to get buy-in from those you're going to be asking to execute upon that. And so listening is more important than talking. At some point, you're going to be tasked with talking, but you want to be ready and not just shooting from the hip. Great insight. Definitely appreciate that. Yeah. Back to you, Javier. What, in your opinion, is the biggest advantage future candidates will find and benefit from the Keenan Flagger EMBA program? There are a number, I guess I would say. I mean, so what's the biggest? It's going to depend upon, for sure, you know, one thing that I mentioned already is the extent to which you know, you're going to have an opportunity to work in a pedagogical and, and challenging school environment, but be heavily encouraged to lean on each other. And, and not only is that going to help deepen or foster certain skills that prevail over there, but it's also going to build a really lifelong network. When I go to the alumni events or when I sort of meet with some students. I've been doing Zoom calls with some of our graduating students from various years, and, and they ask me to, to meet with them as a cohort, right? So they, they still want to get together. I don't know what it is. They miss, you know, being in class or something <laughs> and years later. Uh, and so, so the teamwork component, you know, has sort of multi-pronged benefits. And it, it is one of the things that I think that's really great is that this is now a group of folks that you're going to benefit from their knowledge and friendship pretty much henceforth. And not surprisingly, I actually see a lot of really interesting business ventures come out of that too. So there's a, a subset of our students that kind of come in, you know, with the expectation that they just, they want to sort of continue on the path they, they're already going and they need some additional tools or something to kind of develop that process. That's fine. We've got others that are thinking about kind of a career switch. That's fine too. But what's interesting is like you meet a lot of different people from a lot of different places, and that sort of can serve as an accelerator along a lot of different ways. I've indeed seen some interesting ventures come out that I bet some of the students might perhaps not have anticipated going in.
Okay, so finishing up our interview, Professor. Yeah. This one is the hardest question. Okay, <laughs> yeah. so get ready. When you hear the name... <laughs> Good setup. <laughs> this question is worth 20 points. 20 points. <laughs> so when you hear the name Tar Heel Hustle, what comes to mind? Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. So, so to me, you know, it's like, uh, it's the challenge of navigating a whole lot of crap at the same time. Uh, you know, so what's the, what's the hustle? It's like we got, a, we got a constant barrage of stuff and we just got to keep going to get through. And so it's this kind of, you know, boom, boom, boom. And so that's one thing that has always really impressed me with the EMBA audience a lot, frankly, which is you guys are all a little bit older. You know, you, you've, you're navigating careers right now at the same time that you're doing the program. You've got family responsibilities in some cases and, and just a lot that's happening at the same time. The hustle is I, I got to just keep my nose to the grindstone. I got to just take them as they're coming, hit the next milestone and keep moving. And so to me, uh, that is sort of what, what resonates with me. If you gave me that kind of language, I think. Sounds good to me. Yes. Yeah. I don't you, know if Robert? that's the intention of what you, why you need it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, that's, that's exactly, I mean, the Tar Heel hustle is all of the work you had to do to get through the program, to get through your, your UNC experience, your Kina Flagger experience for us. That's what inspired us to come up with the name, the Tar Heel Hustle. I mean, I think it's more so for this program than perhaps any other because of all of those things competing on your time. And so it was either that or a dance step. So I'm really glad you went with that perspective. Yes. Well, it's that or, you know, you're trying to hustle somebody. <laughs> yeah. I don't think that's where you're headed. <laughs> no, we get a lot of people think, who think that it's like a dance or something, but, you know, like a line dance. or, that's or a like The hustle is a 70s dance. That's uh, exactly. That's a, you can there look you it go. up on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. Well, what, what, great I answer. was born in the 70s, so I, I, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> nice. This is perfect. Well, do you want to promote something close to your heart, Professor? Yeah, the thing I plugged already, actually, which is the Keenan Institute. So okay. that, that's, that's a really important part. I'd like the, the students to know more about that and to see what's going on. I mean, we've got all kinds of really cool things going on over there related to supply chain for vaccines and, and you know, things about work at home, you know, that the OB guys and such have been working on and finance, talking about all the things that have been changing through this. And so... It's been a really exciting opportunity to think and develop content and then engage through, you know, webinars and, and other kinds of panels and roundtables and such. And so the Keenan Institute's been very active and I would encourage everyone to go and, and check out what we're doing there. And we've got a whole suite of stuff on sort of what, for example, COVID has meant for a lot of different aspects of, of business, the economy and political budgets and all sorts of things like that. Perfect. So, Professor, where can we find some more information about the Keenan Institute? Yeah, so that is Keenan Institute, one word, dot unc dot edu. And that will link you over to our sister page for the Institute that sits kind of astride the page for, uh, for the main Keenan Flagler Business School. Perfect. Thank you. Well, that wraps up this episode. Stay tuned for our next episode with our classmates Susie Tomko and Tyler Van Horn. They will tell us about their stories and what they chose Keenan Flagler Business School. Hasta luego. Odabo. In case you're looking to get in on a Tar Heel hustle, make sure you check out our episodes available on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you'd like to be featured on a future episode of the Tar Heel Hustle, 
feel free to click on the link in the show notes. We look forward to having you on the show. Until next time, keep hustling.